Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Casser podcast. So I think it's about time to get started. Uh, welcome, everyone. It's, uh, I'm very happy to finally be sitting here <laughs> after like two weeks with no MF Casser due to a serious hit of COVID uh, in several homes. <laughs> Uh, we are finally here. So uh, it's really a pleasure to see you all and welcome also to those of you who are following us on Zoom. So I'm very honored to have uh, Jorun Ökland here today. Uh, Jorun is a professor at the Center for Gender uh, Research at the University of Oslo. Uh, and I think that many of you know her already. So uh, she's going to talk with us today about early Christian migrant women uh, along the trade routes of the Roman Empire. And I guess that uh, most of us know the drill. Jorin uh, uh, will talk for 13 minutes, sharp. <laughs> and then we uh, open up for questions, 13 minutes. Um, if you want to uh, pose a question, you can either do it in the chat if you're following us on Zoom, or you can move over to the mic and pose a question from there if you are in the room here. Um, so I think we're ready to start. Jorin, please take it away. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for uh, coming. It's so nice to see people in real life after all of this time. Um, and since I don't know the drill, I have prepared a PowerPoint. <laughs> so, but I will talk about men. If you're very curious, you are very welcome to come and sit here at the front. I have placed so that you can actually see if you if you're interested. Um, so uh, this project brings together many, uh, many areas uh, of my, uh, my work. So it's kind of an intersecting project. It's, uh, I bring with me um, previous work on uh, early Christian women, um, as mentioned primarily in the letters of Paul, but of course also works of, of uh, older new colleagues, uh, Turi Carlson, Sein, uh, Marianne Katsov, uh, uh, etc., from, um, uh, from the Faculty of Theology and, of course, also elsewhere, working on women also in Gospels and through to all line literature. Um, but intersecting that with, with uh, much of the uh, archaeological work that I have been kind of involved in and overseeing now the past six years in, in, uh, in Greece. As, as director of the Norwegian Institute, um, and also new theoretical interests, um, and of course new challenges uh, regarding, for example, to the issue of migration, which is very relevant these days. Um, and uh, well, since this is a PowerPoint, I can jump a little bit back and forth. Um, an interesting question in the Gospel of John is, um, in chapter one, uh, where um, where uh, Paul, where uh, where Jesus <laughs> starts to uh, collect his disciples, and then at some point they ask him, Rabbi, where do you live? <laughs> and and then he doesn't give an immediate answer to that. Uh, but then he kind of says, oh, I'll show you. And then the text says that, well, and then they followed him and then he showed them, but it didn't specify in any way 
what kind of domicile this was? Was this a tent? Was it under a stone? Was it a house? Uh, was it uh, some kind of permanent thing? Because elsewhere, he says that the son of man does not have a head, but have a, have a like a, somewhere to put his head. And, and, uh, and I think that these texts we simply have not taken seriously. Uh, we have constructed missionary journeys of Paul. Um, those constructions only arrived when the early missionary movements of Europe started to emerge in the 1700s, maybe a little bit before. Before that, there was no missionary journeys of Paul. So the whole idea is a modern construct that came with the Enlightenment. Yeah. Just having trouble here. Okay, thank you. Is it better now? Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so before that, uh, and when you read both Paul's texts and when you read the Acts of the Apostles, there is no talk of missionary journeys. It's just because then it's kind of the idea of the missionary journeys is constructed as like modern missionary societies. You have a sending organization and you send someone out, and uh, it doesn't work. It's not very strong. Let's no, try my phone. Should I? This? Yeah, Just, okay. Um, but, but there is no clear picture of a sending organization in, in Acts and of course not in Paul. So what happens if we take seriously that Paul never talks about a home? Paul was from Tarsus, but it's never mentioned that he goes home to Tarsus. And, and also, when we look at um, how people who were not upper class would have to live and work, um, most of the jobs that were available for those who were not slaves of a household were along the roads. So uh, a lot, in my opinion, a lot of pieces fall into place if we stop imagining that people had a home that they returned to after doing a job stint in Corinth or in Ostia or in Thessaloniki um, because they had to travel to have a job. Um, and certainly it has done so <laughs> for me, you know, both with, with how, how the... Um, uh, how, how Jesus' home after his, uh, his uh, public appearance is not mentioned anymore. Paul of Tarsus, he was from Tarsus, but apparently never returns, etc. So, um, I, I also brought a picture that I, I found in a museum in Argos um, this autumn. It was from a cave. Um, uh, they had found in uh, inside the cave uh, jewelry and uh, and uh, religious uh, items like crosses and things like that that showed that um, or, or that at least led the archaeologists to assume that this is a, probably a small Christian group that has set refuge inside the cave in an un, and in the period of unrest around four hundred. 500 something around that time around Argos and what you cannot see now and what I regret is that you see paper figures 
paper figures of women because it was clear that there were many women, judging from the jewelry, from the brooches and things that were made to keep women's clothes together. And so they have made the paper figures and then they have fastened the jewelry and the various items on the paper bodies. And this is, a, this is in a way illustrative of what we have to do if we want to find these migrant peoples along the Roman roads. We have, we have small items, we have maybe small altars, we have very, very simple um, utensils, etc. and they are everywhere. But since they were not rich and could make uh, gravestones and statues of themselves, etc., we don't have the big objects that we, where we could find what their names were, um, how long they lived, etc. We only have tons and tons of those small items. So in a way, we have to do like this, uh, they have done at this museum, we have to take those small items and place them onto kind of imaginary people. And if we put all of this together, we can actually get a picture. Um, here is Roman Corinth, uh, a very, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, a, a plan of Roman Corinth, a sketch, and it contains the city center. I will just describe it. It contains the city center. It, Corinth had two to three harbor cities. And this is the reason why Corinth was established where it was. And since it was a Roman colony, in addition to a city center, you also had the wider area that was protected. The archaeological excavations have been going on mainly in the city center because, again, that is where you find the big monuments, the beautiful temples, etc., um, etc. Et what has never been excavated is an amphitheater that is on the way down to one of the harbor cities, or actually close to two of the harbor cities. Um, amphitheaters were entertainment for the lower classes, not like in the theater, which was like on the prominent site in the middle, like the National Theater in Oslo. So this would be like placing uh, some kind of, um, yeah, well, there are some ice hockey halls on Grinaleka that have also functioned as theaters for some, uh, some performances. So something along those lines. And uh, so who were the audiences here? Uh, who built it? Who served the food? Just to man a place or to woman a place like this, you would need thousands. And in the harbors, you would also need thousands. I mean, this is why uh, it main, the main route to Rome from the eastern provinces went over the isthmus, the little lantern that connected Peloponnese with the mainland. So all of these people came here. And if we, you start there looking for the women, picking up the small pieces of jewelry that you find or other women's items, you can see that you, there were quite a lot of women there and you can get some idea of what they were doing. And, uh, and, that, um, and it is also quite likely since many of them must have been uh, uh, artisans, crafts, craftswomen, that they were also in the segment that Paul writes to um, and that asks him questions. We, we hear about some of these, uh, these women also in his letters. Um, uh, we hear about, uh, um, and, and also in the Acts of Apostles, 
we hear of uh, leaders of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of groups, Christian groups or Jewish groups. We don't know, uh, probably, I, you know, my, my, uh, my idea, and I, I had planned here to, if I could have shown you, I would have shown you uh, some, um, like this synagogue of, uh, synagogue of, of Delos, uh, which is another kind of ancient building and how this is a similar, very similar location um, along the coast. And we know that these synagogues in the diaspora like this, they had, could have female uh, prostatus. So they would like uh, being in charge. Um, and, um, and it is likely that these are the, um, uh, when Paul also mentions one prostatus, we don't know if this is for the Christian group whether such as kind of if it had separated but i would i would go along with uh, you know in this work i will be tying on to to much of what is going on in canada at the moment that how they describe very much in detail how christianity emerged first as kind of inside the synagogues and how the the split happened at a quite late stage compared to maybe what we're used to thinking um and that uh, we know already that Prisca and Aquilas were, were Jewish. And, um, and so for a long time, we cannot see any kind of specific Christian signs, simply be, probably because they were part of, of the Jewish groups for, for an extended period. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just kind of, we could, you know, I know Mary Jane is following on the Zoom, so we could have <laughs> talked about Ostia. Um, and uh, so if we say that there are in these important node cities, like Corinth and the harbor cities, Cancria, uh, Lechaion, and partly also Isthmia, there are important services. Um, it's a good idea for Paul to travel there and, and, and to, to start preaching, but it's also places that need a massive amount of male and female workers, workers that can never afford to buy a house, maybe just have a couple of slaves, but not enormous amounts. So it would have been very lively places where people lived uh, their, their life more or less in these public spaces. And some would need to cook, some would need to, to give accommodation, uh, some would need to provide entertainment, um, some would need to provide transport uh, and all sorts of assistance. And since these are groups that don't leave so much traces in, in terms of inscriptions and buildings, we tend to forget them. Um, like we tend to forget the migrants in our own day. Um, Yeah. Um, also, I, I, I realize I'm close to the end, but, but I would also like to draw the attention to the New Testament scholar Stanley Stowers. Um, and many of those working in the same vein are now kind of his former, uh, former students. And he, he has said that, um, that, new, that um, letters are interesting not only in terms of what they say. Um, uh, but the, the content, but it's also interesting to consider letters as speech acts in a way. What does a letter 
do? What does a letter do as a material fact? And it, a letter, to send someone a letter is an excellent way of connecting one group in one place with another group somewhere else. So it's, a, it's a, what kind of actions can you do with a letter? You know, you can, you can exert authority over a group which is elsewhere, not where you are. Um, and you can impress because you can write something in advance and you can send it and everyone will think that you are smarter than if you had just stood there and said something from the, from the top of your head. And uh, it also shows that you are a, a person full of resources because you can afford to have a slave who can write the text down for you. You can afford to send someone off with a letter to transport it to the other place. You have access to the writing materials. Uh, so this also presents you as a, as a relatively well-off person. So uh, send, having these small notes in all of these small cities, it's a very good idea to send letters to make them all feel connected and in touch. And, um, and I think that this is also a way of kind of excavating the women of the early Christian movement. Thank you.